today's special Super Bowl preview on the Bill Simmons podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Here's the difference between working hard and working smart. If you're working hard, you might take the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. If you're working smart, like me, you're going the other way. You're taking the Niners. ZipRecruiter has the tools to make hiring more efficient and effective. Smartest way to hire. Powerful technologies can thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience for your job. The tech doesn't stop there. It even learns what kind of candidates you like, invites more to apply. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at, at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. We're also brought to you by TheRinger.com, where we've had some awesome pieces this week. I would encourage you to check out the pieces Brian Phillips and Chase Serrano wrote about Kobe Bryant the last couple of days, as well as all of our Super Bowl coverage. And if you follow us on The Ringer's Twitter or the Ringer's YouTube channel, which is over 200,000 subscribers. We doubled our number of subscribers in 2019. You can check out uh, Slow News Day with Kevin Clark. He's been doing a bunch of Super Bowl shows from there. Ryan Rosillo's had some Super Bowl previews from there as well on his podcast, which I hope you're listening to. Against All Odds, I went on and talked about props with Cousin Sal. And uh, we just have a whole bunch of stuff going on. If you like the book of basketball, ESPN was gracious enough to let me run the Grantland Basketball Hour that I did with Kobe Bryant and Jalen Rose in 2015, right after Kobe tore his rotator cuff and was starting to see the end of the road for him as a basketball player. And also like a really tumultuous season for the league, new teams, the Warriors were taking off that year, Durant and Westbrook were starting to combust, all this stuff was going on. And we just had an hour long basically a podcast with cameras about it and he's great in it. And I thought it was fitting to run that on the book of basketball 2.0 podcast this week. It's a really nice snapshot of how smart he was about basketball. So you can check that out coming up. We're going to talk to Peter Schrager, cousin Sal and Joe house about the super bowl and some other stuff. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, Peter Schrager has been our good luck guest throughout the playoffs. You can see him on Good Morning Football every day, and he is in Miami right now, staying at a luxurious hotel. Peter, how are you? I'm doing great. There's just a barefoot man in the lobby. Saw him with my own two eyes. Miami's alive, Bill. What is uh? What's the vibe there? The Kobe thing was obviously uh, a somber way to start the week, to say the least. Does it feel like people are moving more toward football now? Yeah, and you know, we weren't here Monday, Tuesday, but I was watching all the shows from Monday and it's only appropriate to start every show, football or basketball or any show on television with Kobe Talk. And then I think Tuesday it's still going on, obviously. And now we're doing this call or you and I on a Thursday and you feel like it's now focusing towards the game. Of course, Kobe is looming large in every conversation though. Yeah. And the the tomorrow night that Lakers game is gonna be a, mm-hmm. a historic NBA event and you know, it's 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 weird to have a Super Bowl week get overshadowed, but I think that speaks to um, both how famous and how popular and and how impactful this whole thing was. Um, no, I, 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 honestly, I got to thank you. I mean, just as a listener of the podcast, that it, the emergency pod you did with Chris Ryan from Sunday, and it's like I think we all needed that on Monday morning, just looking for 
some sort of, you know, big picture on this and you guys nailed it. And of course you and Jay Adande were great also. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, we're still, uh, still trying to figure this out and sift through it and, and, uh, kind of understand you get it. The and feeling everyone's got a Kobe story. Like it's amazing. We had miles Teller on the actor on our show today and he pulls me aside and he's like, I'm still shaking up by Kobe. I'm like, Oh, you're from Philadelphia. He's like, no, after whiplash, Kobe reached out to me and was like, that's the Mamba mentality. What that character you played. So like, you know, wow. Kobe behind, behind closed doors is texting and finding miles Teller and talking about whiplash and how that drumming movie, you know, connected with him. Like, you're hearing them more and more and which I was out with a bunch of the Fox guys last night. And it's like literally every person that, uh, you know, you wouldn't know Kobe has reached out to in some way or did reach out to, and everyone's got their own personal story with Kobe Bryant, which is all the more amazing because, you know, up until this week, we didn't know that stuff. Yeah, that is true. And there's not a lot of superstars like that. Cause I think Barkley would be another one that has just kind of crossed the past with, all types of people at some point, you know, and I'm sure everybody probably has a Barkley story, but it's, it's pretty rare. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's the case for like LeBron might be the case for Shaq. No. I don't know, but yeah, it's pretty rare. Know. Let's talk about the, uh, let's talk about the game. This looks like it's going to end with either Casey favored by one or maybe even, even odds. And it seems like there's two camps of the people who are breaking this game down. One is that San Francisco is just a better overall team. They're faster. Um, they're going to present a ton of problems for, uh, same for Casey's defense. They're going to be able to control the ball defensively. They're going to be able to rush Mahomes with four people and do all this stuff with zone defense and rent and coming at him at different angles. And there's a whole case for that. And then the case for KC is just Mahomes is incredible. Why is this Super Bowl? not a facsimile of the Carolina Denver Super Bowl that we had a few years ago. Or the New England, New York one, or the Denver Seattle one. Every time you want to think that the offense that just throws the ball around the yard is going to win, the other team finds a way using, you know, blunt force defense and a running game. And the more that we get closer to the game, like I came out of the gates after Sunday and I was like, all right, I'm going to take the chiefs. I think the chiefs are going to air it out. I don't think Mahomes can be stopped. And, you put that in an outdoor stadium in 70 degree heat, they're going to run, you know, 80 yard, 80 yard, 60 yard runs. And they're going to do all these kind of things. They're going to wear out that Niners defense. But the closer we get to the game, the more people I speak to, it feels like the feeling in this city right now is that the Niners have the edge and that those five first round picks that they've got coming in the front four are going to give that chief's offensive line and Mahomes hell. And just too many times, like you said, Von Miller stripping Cam Newton or, Tom Brady getting knocked around by OC and tuck or, you know, the first snap of the game, Peyton Manning having a safety go over his head, all that kind of stuff starts looming large. Uh, I was talking to Aikman yesterday because he was already meeting with the Kansas city chiefs. And we spoke about, you know, what the chiefs. And he's like, this is the ultimate clash of styles because yeah. this could go one of two ways. And we'll know early on who's dictating the two styles, but this is speed versus strength. And it's almost like the most pure, pure Super Bowl matchup because it's two completely different philosophies and they've got a clash on a neutral field. With a lot of speed on the Chiefs side, that could make up for any sort of advantages the Niners have. They could be doing this perfectly for 15 straight plays in a row and then on the 16th play, Hardman goes down the left sideline for 78 yards or whatever. And that's why it's such a fun game to talk about and argue about. I, 
I've spent the last 10 days leaning toward the Niners and I think I'm there. But I'm also scared of Mahomes and I'm scared of the Chiefs' yeah. speed. And I'm a little scared of, of Jimmy G in the big stage. What are your feelings on Jimmy G here? I, I talked to the Niners guys and they are like hellbent on this not being a storyline that, that that's not fair to Jimmy, that we're only, you know, we're not protecting Jimmy. We were just very well aware that we could beat the Vikings the way we did and we could beat the Packers the way we did. And that's our best opportunity to win that game. But when the games have mattered and they have needed Jimmy to bring them back, they were down 13 in the first half to New Orleans in New Orleans and Garoppolo threw for about 350 yards that game. Then they went to Seattle they needed to drive. They got it. Those two third and longs in that Saturday night game against the Rams, Jimmy completed the passes. They they are hell-bent that they are not protecting Jimmy, and this isn't a Trent Dilfer situation, that they're just going to let the defense lead the way and, and just not make mistakes. If the game happens to be a shootout or has to get that way, I don't think it's lip service. They believe in Jimmy Garoppolo. They just haven't had to win that way. So. It's, it's one of those deals where there's been four days of media availability, and I think it's starting to bother the Niners guys a little bit. And if anything, it's motivating them to say, okay, just wait. If he needs to, just wait, because he can do it. But that said, I, I mean, I, I'm looking at Super Bowl posters, and it's Mahomes on one side and Kittle on the other. You know, It's not Mahomes versus wow. Garoppolo this week. It's, it's Mahomes versus Kittle. It, and that, to me, tells me, tells me a lot. It, it's, this quarterback is not the lead dog on this team. So... You're saying, you're hypothesizing there's a little nobody believes in us with Jimmy G. Just Jimmy G only. It's, it's a tangent of the nobody believes in us theory because it is a one player. Nobody believes in him. I think that's what it is. It, it's one of those, like, Emmanuel Sanders was, like, angry at the media session. Like, you know, you, you keep on challenging Jimmy. He's our guy. He's our guy. It's like, okay, you believe in us, but you don't believe in him, which I like. The nobody believes in him theory. This is great. You know I love theories. <laughs> if you had to... I did some Super Bowl props on Cousin Sal's podcast against all odds yesterday, and he's coming on mine to give his annual Gary Russell pick after uh, after yeah. we're done with you. I had two MVP picks that I liked, and, yeah. and all of the props that I'm looking at goes along the same theme of of I think you have to bet how you think the game is going to go with the props. So one of them, Nick Bosa for MVP is twenty to one, and mm. The, the, the kind of working theory for this one is if, if you feel like it's going to be Carolina, Denver, if you feel like it's going to be Seattle, Denver, and, and that kind of a Super Bowl where the great team and especially the really fast, awesome defense just kind of overpowers the great offense, then that means Mahomes is going to be on his heels all game. He's going to be going backwards. He's going to have a split second less to throw than he thought he did. And the defense is going to be doing stuff which leads me to Nick Bosa at 20 to one is, could you see like the, the three sack one strip sack Nick Bosa performance on Sunday? Yeah. Like the Von Miller performance or something like that. I can't see it. I'll tell you why. And I, you know, I'm sure your listeners are, are hungry for offensive line talk. Eric Fisher, the left tackle is damn good. And like, I, I don't know if, if Bosa is going to be able to do much on him. Okay. This guy doesn't give up sacks. He's, he's protected Mahomes the last two years. You never see Mahomes under duress in any of these games. And on the other end, Mitchell Schwartz is the right tackle and whoever they line up there, whether it be D Ford or DeForest Buckner, or when they, sometimes they, they move Eric Armstead outside. Like I don't see it coming from the edge. So I don't see this being Mahomes getting sacked. What I see is Mahomes being under pressure, 
the run game being completely silenced by these guys and Mahomes running around and having to make plays with his feet. But I do not see Mahomes getting sacked three times by anybody. And that's as good as Bosa is. It's not because he can't get off and get going. It's just that Fisher is a brick wall at left tackle. Well, and Chris Long and Rosillo had a really good podcast this week where Chris Long was talking about the concept of a unit rushing a quarterback and everybody having to play roles and do different things and how, you know, you have Kelsey and the Chiefs where maybe part of the game plan is you're chipping him coming off the line. And if you're doing that, that means the ends aren't getting, you know, the same kind of production that you'd usually get. And it gets frustrating after a while because you're trying to do the unit coordination, everybody playing a role, but you just have to stick to that role the whole time. And the moment the ends start trying to really go for the sack and coming yep. around the side, then Mahomes steps up and he's running and, and he was like, how, then, how the Niners stick it, to their plan will be the key to the game. Yeah, and it's, you have to be disciplined with that. And then here's the other part of it. The most frustrating thing that all these guys say when you play the Chiefs, and I talked to a few of the coaches that have played them this year, it's you think you've got Mahomes in your grips, and then he throws a literally a one-yard screen pass to Damian Williams, and there's a wall of blockers, and he goes 16 yards. Yeah. So they're the masters of the screen where Mahomes holds it to the very last second. And whether it's it's Williams or, and I don't know if Shady McCoy is going to play, but who knows? I would not be shocked if we're watching the Super Bowl and all of a sudden LaShawn McCoy is 75 yards. Like it's one of those types of offenses where you don't know how they're going to kill you. And you saw it last game where it was all about Kelsey and Tyreek and the Houston Texans win. And they go against the Titans and it's Damian Williams and it's Sammy Watkins. They just have so many different weapons. And like you alluded to earlier, it could just be that Hardman 60 yard bomb, which we've seen a few times this season also. So, it, yes, you need to be disciplined as a unit. I keep on going back to that Patriots Giants Super Bowl where it wasn't just Michael Strahan, it was Jay Alford and Dave Tollison and the Giants had just waves and waves of defensive ends and defensive tackles constantly pressuring Tom Brady to by when the fourth quarter came around, Brady was getting knocked around. It was like, All right, can I get a deep breath here? That's what it's gonna take from the Niners. I don't think it's gonna be one of these deals where where Mahomes is sacked eleven times in the game. Really, thanks for uh, bringing up Super Bowl Forty Two. I know Kyle I know. and I, Kyle and I, really <laughs> appreciate that. And Kyle's bummed out now. Kyle, you want some coffee <laughs> hey, or something? No, he's. Do you fine. want storyline storyline nine hundred to this one? I'm walking <laughs> around the media. Thing. There's Wes Welker, coach of the Forty ers He might get his ring. Oh Jesus! Well, and then you have D Ford trying to prevent the Chiefs yet again from winning the Super Bowl after succeeding last year by being offsides yeah. for the game-ending interception. Yeah, there are some good. Yeah. There's some good crossover stuff. I don't know if you know this, but Mike Shanahan is Kyle Shanahan's dad. I haven't Did heard anyone talk that? about that. Yeah. Isn't that's that wild. That's a plot. Where does he rank on the uh, sports dad Super Bowl shots of the luxury suite pantheon for you? I mean, they, they went to him. CBS, no shortage of Mike Shanahan shots. I'm wondering, the Fox director's a guy, Rich Russo. I have a feeling we're going to get him probably three or four times in the first half if things are going well. He should have some other famous dads in there, like dads from TV. Yeah. Maybe that, yeah. <laughs> like some people from sitcoms. I yeah, don't know. Well, I don't know who's still Carl, alive. Carl Winslow. Carl Winslow from Family Matters. The yeah, great, yeah, yeah, yeah. Reginald B. Johnson. Yeah, I want him in there. Bring Just some him in there. Good dad. What do you think of Debo Samuel at 25 to 1 for MVP? Ooh. Ooh. I like it. I like it at that, those odds. I like that. Although I feel like this is the Emmanuel Sanders game. Ooh. You know, Debo. Okay. Debo was the last few weeks. Emmanuel Sanders had no catches last week and was the most hyped up guy all week this week about how much he loved having no catches because he was able to block and get them going. 
I know that Kyle loves him as a receiver, and I have a feeling with 10 days to prepare, this might be the Emmanuel Sanders game, not the Debo Sanders game. He's 50 to 1. Kyle and I... I like it. Kyle and I look at both Niners receivers and just get sad because Debo, literally the most perfect Patriot of all time. I don't understand. Does everything. God bless Bill Belichick. I'm so glad he's been in my life. I wouldn't take, I wouldn't change anything about the last 20 years. I don't understand how he could work with Brady for this long and not be able to, to strategically target what type of receiver works for Brady. You go back and you read the draft stuff from Samuel and it's like overachiever. The guy is just insanely competitive. He's going to do whatever it takes. Great blocker. Uh, and you just go, and it's like, wow, this is like every checklist of a receiver who succeeds with Brady. He's like Deion Branch crossed with Troy Brown with more size yeah. and a little more yeah. speed. It's like, how do they not realize this is, I would draft all my receivers for Brady under the hypothesis. Is this person likely to fly to Cabo on 10 hours notice yeah. because Brady wants somebody to throw to for two days. And I would say Debo <laughs> Samuel would be like, where do you need me? Are you in Zimbabwe? I'll be there. I'm hopping on a flight right now. I just, please throw me the ball for 10 minutes. And I, I don't here's understand the, how they miss on that. Here's the, here's the, the thing with Debo, which is cool. So the Niners were so bad last year that they coached the senior bowl. The worst two teams in the league typically coach the senior bowl. The Niners and Raiders did it last year. And Debo Samuel was on the on the team that Kyle Shanahan and Robert Sala and Hightower and all these guys on the front, and they fell in love with him. They were so into him that they were thinking about potentially even moving up in the draft wow. to go get him, and they got him in the second round. Now, here's here's the other wrinkle with what the Niners offseason was. I could tell you on the record that there were many, many conversations internally about do we go after Antonio Brown this offseason? Yeah. And across the board, John Lynch, and Kyle Shanahan were like, no. And this is before Antonio Brown became what he is now. This is back when Antonio Brown was fresh off the Pittsburgh stuff. And they were like, doesn't fit our locker room. We've done the work. If you can't work, if you can't get along with Mike Tomlin as a star player, you certainly aren't going to fit in our system. And then the Odell trade happened. And I'll tell you, I know Lynch well. I used to be his sideline reporter at Fox. We'd go back a long way. Lynch was a little miffed that Dave Gettleman made that trade before there was a chance to at least discuss, okay, well, can we work something out? The original talk with the Giants and the Niners was the second overall pick. Like, yeah. Bosa for Odell, is that possible? And, you know, they, didn't, they weren't giving up that pick for that. But then without much chance to counter, the Browns trade was announced and no Antonio, no Odell, and the 49ers receivers are just fine in the end. Well, did you hear, supposedly Sanders was going to the Niners without really being shopped to the Patriots who also were interested in him because of a whole Denver Patriots, John Elway thing. I, it was the rumor yeah. I heard. I don't know if it's true. I, I'm not sure about that. I know that they were the, the, from what I heard, the Patriots were all in on Mohammed Sanu. So I don't even think the Emmanuel Sanders wow. thing got to that point. Jesus. And the Niners were just fine getting Emmanuel Sanders the next day. How can you win six Super Bowls and be so bad at evaluating receivers? It's really unbelievable. <laughs> hey, Aaron, it's like the Aaron all-time Dobson, Achilles heel. Josh Boyd. Chad Jackson. Oh, Kemperl Tompkins fan. Yeah. Oh, Chad Jackson, Florida. Sure. What about the second Giants Super Bowl when we had Chad Ochocinco by himself on the right side of the field in single coverage because they didn't even have to shade a safety over. He was so cooked. Oh my God. Chris Hogan last year, he was 
Oh, running corpse. It's unbelievable. Hogan, I can't... Hogan's best days were behind him last year. Yeah, yeah, it was tough. It was tough. Uh, what other storylines are we missing? What do you what do you think has I gotten mean, not enough attention? It's it's not that it hasn't gotten that much attention. To me though, the the Chiefs got this guy, Frank Clark, who has been running his mouth all week in a way that is so beautiful and so not twenty twenty NFL. Like, yeah. Try, basically calling out everybody and saying, bring it. And then he tweeted yesterday, I'm going to be mic'd up. You're going to love this mic'd up stuff. I'm going to do Monday. And like he not only has embodied like the old Shannon Sharp role or whoever, what Joey Porter, whoever you want to say, like he's made this week more interesting. So he's seen the 49ers eight different times when he was with the Seahawks. They know him. They've blocked against him. I don't think they're exactly scared of Frank Clark. And yet he's been talking this huge game. It adds a little intrigue to this. And then the other thing is just, I, I, I think Chiefs fans, I mean, the way that the Chiefs fans have rallied around this team, you've done this with the Red Sox, we've seen the Cubs, like we've seen it all. I think this is the football equivalent. I know everyone's going to say, well, what about Detroit or Cleveland? Like the Chiefs are so close so many times. And if this fan base can actually get over the hump and win one of these things, I don't think it can be, it can be underestimated or overestimated just how big a deal that is for that fan base. I just want to say on behalf of the Vikings fans, I yeah, think the sorry. Chiefs are in the number two spot for this conversation. And the Lions, Vikings, the yeah. Lions are like, because you can say Bills and Vikings have been there four times in the Super Bowl and haven't won one. Right. But the Vikings, you're talking just, the Bills had the one run that was just yeah. historically brutal. The Vikings, just decade after decade, terrible things. Like even I, for some reason I was watching the saints Vikings game 10 years ago and okay, it's farm, on YouTube. Uh, yeah. There's a yeah, 15 okay. minute kind of super cut of that game. It is unbelievable. The Vikings didn't win that game. And, uh, and it's not so just, chances. it's not just the, the horrific Favre interception, but they had first down on like the 38 Peterson, two terrible runs far horrific interception, but then it goes into OT and they got hosed by at least three terrible calls in the OT. That calls, led to- I believe I believe Reggie Bush fumbled and gave them the ball very close to a score, and they didn't convert. There was some fumble that was very oh, important it's, in that it's, game. It, it, there was no way they weren't better than the Saints that year, and I have no idea how they didn't win. But you you think like just all the checkpoints that that team has hit. I look at the Lions because the Lions probably really do have the case for most torture, just because they have no memories at all. But nothing, yeah. I look at them, they're like a homeschooled kid in Pennsylvania who doesn't even know what they're missing. Like they haven't felt any pain because they're just home every day and they're just watching TV and they, they don't understand there's this whole yes. world of pain. TikTok even has not gotten to the no, lines yet. They don't even have, they don't have <laughs> Wi-Fi. There's this whole world of pain that they don't even understand what it might feel like. Whereas the Vikings fans, they've gotten so close so many different times and just gotten kicked in the nuts. Their nuts have come off. Their nuts have ruptured. Like, I, I think Every they're the way worst. to remove a nut, they've had the, it. I would think the Chiefs have an argument for the fact that they lost all those games in Arrowhead over the last two decades. Like, true. They were, if you saw the stat at the uh, during the divisional round, they go, they go down twenty four nothing. It's like Chiefs are one and eight in last home playoff games. You're know, like, geez. Right, and they they have some some a couple of tough ones in the nineties. And honestly, last year that Pats game. The D Ford play, that's the kind of shit that would have happened to the Red Sox before 2004, where it's like, oh, we would have won if that hadn't happened. Um, that's pretty bad. Yeah, I think, you know, the Chiefs won, the KC fans won a couple years ago with the Royals. 
That's true. And it Are was, you over the win one for win one for Andy thing? Is that like have you has that run its course with you? No, because I think if I you know, when you think when you play out the scenarios of what could happen in this game and you think, all right, when team blank wins, what what would be the outcome? And I can see this whole Chiefs universe where Andy's crying. They, they, people are just reaching out left and right. Thank God. What a great guy. He's an ambassador. He's been a hall of famer this all time. He didn't need a super, super bowl title to vindicate the incredible career he's had, but now we're here and doing that whole thing combined with the Mahomes is the greatest player in the The league. Why did we ever, why did we ever even have an affair with Lamar? We're so stupid. It was (laughs) Mahomes all along. I can see that whole storyline, but I could also see you know, the Niner storyline where it's like team is always going to be player period. Why do we yep. always forget this every year? So that that's one of the reasons it's such a good Super Bowl. You can really see the pass for each storyline. No, and it's, and it's the perfect clash of philosophy. Like we do this analytics debate all the time and it's how much does analytics matter? All this stuff. Like this is the real debate. It's do you go with a running game and say, you could win the same way you ran so many years ago in the zone read and all that stuff that they do or the zone running scheme, or is this the new NFL where you just hire a bunch of really fast wide receivers and find a quarterback with a huge arm and do a lot of cool stuff pre-snap. Like it's a great, great clash. And the fact that the spread is so close and these teams are so differently matched up or so unique in the way that they're on the spectrum in the NFL, as far as how they approach football, I don't know. From a chess match thing, it's pretty cool. And everyone's going to say, well, Andy Reid, this master play caller, like Kyle Shanahan, I, I'm telling you, he is a savant. This guy sees things. And I know for the past two years, because I, I know both these guys that like, as McVay was getting all of this love yeah. and McVay was being crowned as the next guy and all this stuff. Like McVay used to work for Shanahan. Like he was under Shanahan in Washington and he was under Shanahan in Tampa. And I know that Kyle Shanahan has been just, simmering like just give me a give me a chance give me guys that 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 can go out there and do this and they stayed healthy enough and now he's having his moment i dropped this prop on sal's podcast one of your thoughts for some reason tevin coleman's rushing attempts are minus nine and a half is the over under the under is minus mm-hmm. 155 to bet on that what is tevin coleman even gonna play this week he's hurt i think so i think so you think he gets I, I think to so. 10 they- carries I think he might. I think he might. Look, they might go to Jeff Wilson Jr. They they have the running backs and they might not be Moster. Like they I think Tevin got injured. They were up by enough points and they said, Okay, let's do it. But I would be shocked if, if Tevin Coleman doesn't play a role in this game. Shanahan loves using him, loves using him in the passing game. And just when you want to focus on Mostert is when he goes and does flips the script and it'll be a Brita or Coleman game. What what about Mahomes for uh total completions over twenty five and a half? And I'm assuming the Niners are going to do the defensive game plan where they try to keep everything in front of them. Don't get beat deep. Just make him dink and dunk, make him go short, try to have long drives and then hope that you'll get that one sack that makes it like third and 15 or second and 19, whatever. Yeah, no, I like that. And that's going to be Kelsey, seven yards. That's going to be, you know, LaShawn McCoy, six yards or Damian Williams, Blake Bell, number 81 for a couple of yards. Like, they, they are fine winning that way too. And that's how Andy used to win games with Philadelphia. So I think 25 completions is fair. Even if they're, if they're down by a ton, I still think they have to pass. And if they're winning, I think they're going to win that way. They're not going to rely on the run. It's just not what they do. It's not going to be one of these games where you see a running back with 30 carries on the Chiefs. 
my favorite Super Bowl prop, Luka Doncic, mm. minus four and a half against the total Chiefs points. Luka playing in Atlanta, an atrocious defensive mm. team, and a team that could have picked him in the draft and instead traded yeah. his rights. So figure he's in the 35 to 40 range. And that buys me some time unless this is a shootout. That's my favorite prop. And here I thought it was the D Ford revenge game on Sunday. No, it's the Luca revenge game. You trade right. my rights. Um, well, maybe I should parlay storyline. that. Should what's, what's <laughs> D, say. D Ford is eight, game, D, D Ford 80 to one to an MVP. Maybe I just parlay those two props. Parlay those two together. It's revenge day. Victory ever. Um, I would go, I would go with Mahomes. Go with Mahomes. Okay. Any, uh, any last predictions before we go? Yeah. Like I, I think there's going to be a name that you're going to hear a lot of, and it's Jaquaski Tart. And he's the safety is one of the best names in football. He's in there five years for the Niners. And th- this is the guy they're going to try to pick on because this is what they do. They're going to kill you all day with the little stuff, little stuff, little stuff. And then it's the Tyreek bomb or it's the Hardman bomb or it's the Demarcus Robinson bomb. And it's going to be on Jaquaski Tart to make a play, either good or bad. But I have a feeling we're going to hear his name a bunch in this game, and it's going to be because he's either getting burned deep or he's making a big play deep. This is just such a difficult game for me to pick, and yet I can already see certain plays happening, and I know Mahomes is going to at least go for it deep three or four times. He is not on my MVP odds list, just for the record. Jaworski Tart out of Samford. (laughs) Didn't make the cut. If you had to go Kittle 15-1 to or Kelsey 15-1 to for MVP, what would you do? Uh, I'd go Kittle because I think if the Niners win, it's going to be because they ran the ball and Kittle made a couple of big plays. If the Chiefs win, it's because Mahomes just went bonkers. Would you would you want to chip both of those guys? This is my new favorite <laughs> subplot of the week is chipping. I love this, the chipping. The, the people talking about defensive line play and chipping the tight ends to knock them off balance, but you're sacrificing a little pass rush. I'm really into it. Heard a lot of conversation like about it. it. Yeah, a lot of strategy talk. Yeah, um, some chipping. They're different because Kittle is Kittle's like you know he will run. Let's run the ball. He's he's fine to staying on the line. Kelsey, he's their first option in the passing game, really. So yeah, I mean it's two separate kind of players. But with Kelsey, I don't know the thing that everyone says about Kelsey, and this is defensive coordinator. It's like you can't really defend him because he's good in the run game blocking, but then he and Mahomes have this crazy almost like telekinetic connection where he can just know where Mahomes is going to go and they can just dance around like they did in that Texans game. And he's like a wide receiver or better yet, like a point guard and a power forward. They just have this connection. So I don't think there really is a way to stop Kelsey with the chip because that's exactly what they do. They want you to hit him. And then he's going to pop out and he'll get those three yard gain and then go for 15 after the catch. If the chiefs win, I'm genuinely afraid of Kelsey's off season. I think, I think he's looked at Gronk's, kind of resume of work and he really respects it. And he looks at something like the Grant Cruz and says, I wonder what the next level of the Grant Cruz is. I want to be there, put my name on it. I don't know what he's capable of. He had a reality dating series before anyone knew who he was. Um, <laughs> like <laughs> catching Kelsey was a yeah. show on the E network, not on chiefs.com. It was on E and literally no one knew who he was at the time, other than a nice tight end in the NFL. He is one of the biggest personalities. He's funny. He's clever. Um, and he has no problem swearing on TV and just being himself. Yeah. So I am I'm all about the Kelsey offseason if they win. I'm also all about 
the Andy Reid offseason if they win. I feel like Andy's going to treat himself pretty well as well. Let's be honest. Kelsey's athlete funny. He's not actually funny. I know. He's hey, athlete, it, I mean, a, athlete funny is fine. It's respectable, okay, but he's so not let's, real, let's really level. funny. Who's, I'll give you one. Blake Griffin. Really funny? Like he does the roast selling or athlete funny? I think Blake Griffin is now legitimately funny. He like does the comedy clubs. You hear he's like yeah. in that world. Aaron Rodgers. Really funny? or athlete No, funny? he's athlete funny. Yeah. Yeah. Because we I, have these guests on our show and like they show a little personality and I'm literally falling out of the chair laughing and then I watch it back. And I'm like, yeah, that wasn't that funny. I did this scale. I wrote a column about this. God knows how many years ago. And it was a scale of one to 10 and Barkley was a 10. Yeah. As, really as, funny. as legit funny. And then it kind of descends down. But I think Blake Griffin might be like a nine now. I mean, I was really impressed by him at the, uh, at whatever no, that last roast was. The roast, was. The roast <laughs> he tremendous. was awesome. I feel like, and it's funny because he, when he got drafted, they would put the, these dumb facts after every draft pick. And for him, it was like his, his dream was to host SNL someday. And I think I made fun of it in a column. I was like, oh, the odds of that are 200,001. But now you see JJ Watts hosting Saturday Night Live, <laughs> who's not even athlete funny. He's, he's just non-funny. So if that happens, I think Blake Griffin's actually in play now. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing with, um, I'm trying to think of who, cause like, I remember who was telling me, like, you go to like the comedy cellar in New York and it, or like the, whatever it is, the comedy store in LA. And it's like Blake Griffin's on like the regular list. He's like, you know, after Andrew Sorrentino, it's going to be, or it's going to be Blake Griffin doing stand up. Like he literally wants to do stand up. Yeah. To me, I like the effort, you know, like that's real. Um, as far as athlete funny and like, there are some guys like Blake Bortles is genuinely funny. Like he's like a good guy. And then there's Gronk who I've gotten to know a little bit through the Fox stuff. And like, it's not funny as in like, what a great one liner Gronk, but like you're in Gronk's presence and you're just laughing because it really is who he is. Right. You're like, this can't be real in 20. What he did on new year's Eve with Steve Harvey spiking those Legos. Like, I don't know. Some people were just like, that was stupid. I, I could not get, I thought it was hilarious. Just how bizarre and how awkward and uncomfortable it was. And I'm like, I like that. That's good. It's funny. Yeah. Gronk's funny in the way of that dude on your floor in college who is just, <laughs> who's naked at three in the morning and you're just yeah. like, Oh my God, that guy's crazy. I love that guy. <laughs> he's, he's like that yeah. funny. He's not like witty funny. Yeah. No. All right. Well, this was important. Give me a pick. <sighs> I think chiefs. I think chiefs. Oh man. I think at the end of the day, you're swimming chiefs, against the stream. Everyone's going nine. I mean, I'm telling you, it is a stream down here. Like everyone is picking Niners. That's not good. And I know that history says Niners, but I just, I can't see this kid losing. I just can't. When it matters most, he has been unflappable. And I just, it's, it's a special individual. I'm just, I'll put my money on my home and I'll just let it ride. Okay. Peter Schrager, you're working the game, right? I'm doing pre and post game for Fox and I cannot wait. It's going to be cool. Excellent. All right. So I had everybody down there. Thanks for coming on. You're the man, dude. Thank you. All right, we're calling Sal in one second. Chances are you've heard of Salesforce, but if you're like a lot of people, you don't know exactly what Salesforce does other than one of my best friends from high school, Steve Bishop, worked there. Well, the simple answer is this. Salesforce brings companies and customers together. How does it work? Well, with Salesforce, different employees across your different departments like Stephen Sales, Mary Marketing, Katie and Customer Service, even Ian and IT, they all get a single shared 360 degree view of each of your customers. That means whenever your customers talk with any of those people I just mentioned, 
They'll feel like they're having a relationship with one united company, not a series of disconnected departments, which is important. Second, even more important, it means Steve and Mary and Katie and Ian and IT. They all have everything they need to make your customers happy, not just a little happy. Happy like, wow, I love this company. They really get me. I'm never going anywhere else happy. That kind of happy. When your customers are that happy, everyone is happy. That's how Salesforce brings companies and customers together. Makes sense? I hope so. To learn more, visit salesforce.com slash learn more. Let's give Cousin Sal a ring. Okay, I went on his podcast yesterday against all odds and we tackled a slew of Super Bowl props, but we saved a tradition that I think started with the, what was it? Steelers Cardinals Super Bowl. Sal unveiled on the pod. We did a Super Bowl props pod, unveiled. The Gary Russell prop. What was the prop? Remind me again. It was well, actually it was eleven years ago, two thousand nine. Yeah, Gary Russell Memorial Obscure Player Losing Prop Bet of the Year. I had the the bet was that he would not score a touchdown. Now he was a backup to uh, Fast Willie Parker, and only had like two touchdowns all year. Yeah, and not only did he score a touchdown, but he scored. He got two <laughs> calls inside the five yard line. Um, and scored their first touchdown, the Steelers' first touchdown. Yeah, so not only did you get the prop wrong, there was actually a totally different Gary Russell prop you could have done that was really lucrative, and you went the complete opposite way. And that started a tradition. I think, who was the guy in the Giants, the fullback, Kronowski? Hank Kronowski? Henry Henry Hynowski. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Henry Hynowski. I've had, uh, who's the Patriots tight end? Michael Humanawani or something? Was Was that a guy? Yep. Had him, Fozzie Whitaker for uh, the Panthers. That one actually won. But a, a good quick backstory to the Gary Russell thing. And I love telling this, and I, I, I wish someone would reach out and tell us the uh, the most updated uh, form of this story. But someone emailed you a couple uh, few months later and said they were at a party, a Super Bowl party, when Gary Russell scored. The guy laughed and looked across the room, and the uh, woman laughed. Woman he hadn't met before. They discussed it. And they talked about it and they were laughing about the same thing. My dumb prop. He ends up getting engaged and married to this woman. We have no idea what the fate is from there, but see, we bring people together. So this prop has actually led to marriage and maybe even kids for all we know. Exactly. We're doing, I I like to know that somebody actually lost money on this more than I did. (laughs) Right. (laughs) We're doing God's work. Speaking of marriage, I already won my prop. It was over under 0.5 people doing sports media this week in Miami who brought their wives. And and I hate it because you brought your wife. <laughs> so oh, I won that. I'm up. one prop up. <laughs> Mrs. Sal is in what Miami. To say to that? What is she in the hotel pool? <laughs> no, she, she's at the beach. Yeah. She's, uh, she's living the life going to Nobu at night while I'm trying to track down players for a, a pregame bit and everything. But yeah, she's, uh, she's having a good time. It's phenomenal. She, she's, she's phenomenal. I love how she does it. What a great, what a great city to go to. I'm on her it side. Really is. I like it. Have you been here a lot? I've, I've been here two days out of my life uh, before this week, but I, I really enjoy it. I went there for um, two Super Bowls, and I went there more importantly for when I, the two years I was doing countdown were glorious because the heat were involved. So we spent Mm -hmm. an incredible amount of time in Miami. And I I think it's an amazing city. It's like one of the most fun cities I've ever gone to visit. 
Um, we, I think we've discussed this, but I'm, I almost feel it should be on a three-city rotation, the Super yeah. Bowl. Miami, yeah, we, yeah. New Orleans, and maybe Vegas now. Will they do Vegas? I know they have an, a, you know, a deal where if a, if, a, if a city opens a new stadium, they have to give them the Super Bowl eventually. That's part of the deal. Um, but other than that, keep it to three cities, I think. Yeah, I was listening to the Rosillo pod, and Chris Long was talking about when the Super Bowl was in Miami for Eagles-Pats. Mm-hmm. And how there was nothing to do, and the guys were just walking around the Mall of America every day. I oh, yeah, I, I promise right. you that's not as fun as a Super Bowl in Miami. I'm with you. I think. Right. Well, now we're going to have this LA football stadium. So it seems like if you really wanted to maximize just the fun value, you would do a rotation of Miami, New Orleans, Los Angeles, and Vegas. And then everybody's just winning every year. It's just like that's. Every year, it's fun to That's go to true. the Super Bowl versus the uh, these random cities. I never understood the whole, if you build a stadium, you get a Super Bowl model either. That was a little strange. What, yeah, uh, it's just an incentive thing. I selfishly don't want one in L.A. I don't like when the Olympics are in L.A. There's enough traffic, but, you know, you come here on your own. We don't need, we don't need a giant sporting event. <laughs> See, I go the other way. I feel like when stuff is happening in L.A., everybody wants to get the F out. And then it actually clears right. out and there's less people because people are so... Remember, the greatest driving day of all time was Carmageddon weekend. Remember that? Oh, right. That's true. When they were yeah. like, they're fixing this thing on the 405, stay off the highways. And I think right. that was the only time I've ever gone 120 on the I-10. It was so exciting. There's nobody yeah. there. It's like, I'm dialing it up Everyone today. sold their car. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I, exactly. Well, what, uh, I'll be one of those people who gets to F out. So there you go. <laughs> what, uh, what storylines are being batted around in South Beach and Miami about this game? Well, I feel like Jimmy G is taking a beating because of his performance uh, against the Packers. You know, the, he attempted eight passes, and everyone's like, oh, can he do it? Does he have enough to get it done? But, you know, here's a guy who beat the Packers twice. He beat the Saints. He beat the Vikings. Big wins under his belt. A lot of those are road wins. And I, I wonder if Shanahan, like, what what happens if you have a game plan where you don't really need your quarterback to do anything? You can you can reel off six or seven yards per carry because of the blocking schemes. It's just so much better uh, on San Francisco's side of the ball. Do you, do you have to give Jimmy G confidence? Do you have to throw on that first drive? Or does he have to have one or two touchdown passes? Or do you, do you stray from a winning, you know, formula just to give him confidence? It's going to be interesting to see. Peter Schrager was on right before you, and he was saying there's a nobody believes in me uh, sub-theory of the nobody believes in us. It's just Jimmy G. Nobody believes in Jimmy G. So right. maybe maybe, right. maybe that's a reason to believe in him. We talked on your podcast. He's 3-1 to one to win MVP. He's mm-hmm. only plus 0.5 touchdowns against Mahomes. And then I think him throwing three touchdowns is 5-1. to one. So... You know, we always talk about and stacking. And he's had four touchdowns, th- four touchdowns three times this year. I think three touchdowns twice. He's he's capable of it for sure. But I, it really, it reminds me of someone who's, unfortunately, in most cases, a woman who wants to be known for her brains. It's like, I'm not just eye candy. You know what? Like, he'll, he, he's like, I need to be seen here. It's like, right. oh boy, I don't know what's going to happen. Does he bust it out? or the, And to their detriment, because we know he throws three up for grabs. And maybe uh, the Chiefs come down with one of them. So like Nicole Kidman in Days of Thunder. Right, that's it, exactly. Smoking hot brain surgeon. She didn't want to just be known for being smoking hot. She's like, I'm actually doing good work here. I'm preventing concussions with NASCAR drivers. That's it. You're saying that. That's exactly it. I get it. Holy crap, you hit it on the head. 
What about Debo Samuel for 25 to one MVP? I've been, I've been looking, staring people, at that one. I said that on my podcast with you. I think uh, he's the, there's no such thing really as a sharps prop bet because the sharps all stay away from prop bets. But if there is, it's Debo Samuel to score the first touchdown, to score any touchdown, to have, I think, over 55 and a half yards receiving. You have him as MVP, you said? That's 20, interesting. 25 to one is fun. I think it's funnier that you and I do all the bets that Sharps just really urge and implore people to stay away from. We do prop bets. Oh, yeah. We love teases. We love parlays. We're just making all the mistakes. Put that in your book. That should be a chapter. We know pizza's bad for you, but we eat it all the time, right? <laughs> like, yeah, you're going to die faster if you eat uh, just pizza, uh, uh, pizza pie every day. But Here, yeah, bring it on. Here's my defensive prop bets, because I've had some good runs in su certain Super Bowl games. If you really believe in a certain way a game is going to play out, and it's yeah. not just about, I like the Niners, I think they're going to cover, but I think this will happen in this and this and this. And then you stack all the prop bets accordingly. You could actually clean up. I'll never forget the Ravens Super Bowl against, uh, who's that, the Giants? The Ray Lewis Super yeah. Bowl? Mm -hmm. When uh, I, I, I hit like every prop I did. I had this specific angle. I was like, I had the field for first touchdown and all these different things. I was just like, I think they're going to completely overpower the Giants and run them mm -hmm. off the field. And I nailed all the props. And yeah, I think this game reminds me of that because if you love the Niners angle, there are all these different props you can do and maybe even put the Jimmy G thing in. And if you love the Chiefs thing, it's going to be Mahomes. They're not going to win because Damian Williams ran 30 times for 190 right. yards. Like It's going to be Mahomes doing Mahomes stuff. So if you think they're going to win... You should bet on him for MVP. You should bet on him for TDs, uh, being over two and a yeah, half, three, four. I, I think it's like, it's like blackjack when you're splitting threes against a six and you just keep getting threes. Like, I don't care. I'm just going to keep splitting it out <laughs> right. because this is my path to glory here. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to hope that you bust. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Mahomes is a lock for uh chief's MVP. The only thing could be weird is like a McCole Hardman or a Tyreek Hill with some return touchdowns in addition to like a, a, rece a receiving touchdown. That could get weird, but otherwise you have to give it to Mahomes if the Chiefs win. I looked at Hardman. He was 75 to one and I was trying to fashion. It would, it would absolutely be a kick return TD and probably one other big yep. return. And then I think he would have to go like three for 90 receiving. And I looked at his stats the last few weeks. Like he's really not a receiver for them at all. He He's one no, to two catches sure. a game, but maybe this if you're going to make that argument, and that, that, that's a case where the odds are pretty good, 75 to 1, but you could say the roadmap would be he catches a bomb from Mahomes. He's three for 90 in that end. He breaks one for a TD. He has another like 70 yard run that sets up a touchdown on special teams. Yeah. And that maybe would be enough, but it would also. And include, Mahomes would have to have two or fewer touchdowns total, right? Like it's, as yeah, soon as Mahomes pick. gets to three, it's almost impossible to not give it to him. And probably a pick too. I would yes, guess yeah. like, like Mahomes would have to have a un Mahomes like game. Do you think they're going to douse Andy Reid with Gatorade if the Chiefs win? Cause he is old and he's overweight. Like I, I would actually worry about him having a lot of cold water on him at like nine 30 at night. Exactly. Yeah, no, I could see it. And, uh, oh boy, our friend Daniel is, is uh, such a pain in the ass with this Gatorade. He's convinced it's going to be red because the Niners are red. 
The Chiefs are red. Red <laughs> is two to one. He's driving me nuts with it to try to get this bet in somewhere. But um, wait, what? Yeah, I don't I think wait, can it. you explain they, they that really to me? What? What does it matter that the red uniforms? What do I need to explain to you? He's crazy. He's crazy. He's a nut. <laughs> he really is. He really is nuts. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that if you look back, there are instances of the team color factoring in to the Gatorade dump. But you know, also it could be water. Um, there are several instances where they just went off script. I have a feeling Gatorade. We discussed this. They, I think they have a say in this thing, right? I mean, this is huge. If they want to push a per- certain uh, color, they they could uh, they could force it, couldn't they? Well, it's like how there's gambling on WWE, and then when they have the Royal Rumble, all of a sudden the Charlotte Flair odds start dropping. You're like, oh, what's going right. on here? And then Charlotte Flair ends up winning exactly. the Royal Rumble. Red is the Charlotte Flair this week. Um, what any other? crazy props that you've been concentrating on since we did our podcast? I'm trying to think, uh, nothing really. I'm just, I'm just stunned that the Jimmy G that you could get him for MVP at plus three fifty in some spots. I mean, this yeah. is a pick em game. It's a pick em game. And you know, in a, in a game where nine of the last 13 Super Bowl MVPs have been quarterbacks and you could get a slight underdog quarterback for plus three forty, plus three fifty, And like we said, he has to make a name for himself. You know, he's uh, coming off an eight pass performance. Um, I think those are really good odds. I'm looking at. uh, So Edelman won last year. Miller in 2016. Malcolm Smith Mm -hmm. for the Seahawks. Yeah. And then Uh, Santonio Holmes. Santonio Holmes. Branch and Ward. Dexter Jackson. Mm -hmm. Ray Lewis. What a year for Ray Lewis. The suit disappeared oh, yeah. and he won the MVP trophy. Uh, <laughs> Terrell Davis, Desmond Howard, Larry Brown, and then there's a run of quarterbacks. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's definitely really hard to win defensively. You you would need yeah. to be the defense just completely dominating. Um, yeah, you're Speaking right. Speaking of things disappearing, I thought it was cool to see that Brady texted Jimmy G, good luck. I, mean, I, I imagine that's the same phone that went missing during a deflate gate investigation. Uh, I'm glad he was able to locate it. That's good. Oh. No, I'm just saying I'm happy. It's a, he should put out a call to everybody. Like, Hey, I found my phone. Um, eight years later, you know how deflate gate led to all of this, right? Have we walked through all the points on that? Yeah, we don't have to. It's uh, all, all led to, but even Jimmy G being on the Niners, deflate gate, one of the biggest railroad jobs in the history of sports, which there's still no evidence. Um, everything has been debunked. Didn't matter. Brady gets suspended for four games. Jimmy G plays three of them. Boosts his stock. Becomes something. Mm-hmm. If he never plays in those games, we have no idea if he's good. They're just re-signing him to some, you know, post-rookie contract for peanuts. And he's on the Patriots for like eight years. How would anyone mm-hmm. have known he was good? So that happens. Then they take our first-round pick. Pretty sure we could use that at some point over the last five years. I'm still mad. Roger Goodell. All right, it's time. It's time for the Gary Russell Memorial Super Bowl prop bet. Let's do it. Let me throw you one more real quick. I'm sorry yeah. to interrupt. Um, 49ers to win by 7 to 10 is 8 to 1 odds. Chiefs to win by 7 to 10 plus 750. Those are key numbers. Those are four key numbers in there. Both 7s, both 10s. We've seen teams win by 8 and 9 in this game. And I just think it could come down to one score. You kind of, you kind of like, um, you know, when you buy squares, but you're you're kind of like picking which ones you have here. If you have yeah. both teams winning by those key numbers, so 
that's uh, all right. I had to get that off my chest and now I'm ready. Wait, before I got to get something off my chest. Do you want to yeah. know our Super Bowl food plan? It's just me and Kyle and um, my degenerate son, Ben Simmons, and, and one of his friends. Oh, we're, really? We are getting barbecue from APL. He's got a Super Bowl barbecue package, and there's going to be a nice. lot of briskets and ribs. So I don't know what kind of state Kyle's going to be in when we're taping the pod. I know he's going to be sleepy. I, there's going to be a point during the game when he falls asleep, I'm guessing, but then the second plate will rejuvenate him. And then hopefully, hopefully the pot will be edited correctly on Sunday night. A lot of brisket. I mean, what kind of parent corner would be that, that the season finale of parent corner and uh, Ben Simmons performs a Heimlich on Kyle <laughs> saves his life. Wait, can, we, can we team that with uh, Debo Samuel's Super Bowl MVP odds? I would have parlayed I think that. So. I have a guy. I think I have a guy that'll take that. All right. It's really time now. The Gary Russell Memorial Super Bowl prop is here it is. Kansas City Chiefs. Tight end. Blake Bell. The Belldozer. <laughs> First reception. Over one and a half yards. Minus 130. This is a winner. I feel so, so confident in this. Fourth round pick out of Oklahoma, actually a backup quarterback to Landry Jones, uh, tight end now, local kid from Wichita, Kansas, selected by the 49ers and then traded. So you got a revenge factor here. Subsequently went on to play for the Vikings and Jaguars. Now he's a Kansas City Chief. Obviously, Kelsey is their guy. Revenge factor. Get me the ball. I scored against the Texans. It's my first career touchdown in the playoffs. I did it. I could do it again. Three of the last four games, he's had at least two receptions. He's had a reception in seven of the last 12 games. Feel-good story. Local kid makes team that drafted him eat crow. This is a story no one's talking about, and probably rightfully so, but that is my pick. Blake Bell, first reception, over one and a half receiving yards. This is a story nobody's talking about, and there are 100 reasons why. But we're talking about it now because he is the winner of the Gary Russell Memorial Prop. This is a great one. I really like this because you figure there's going to be some two tight end situations, maybe even some three right. tight end, some third and ones, maybe near the goal line. And everybody's going to be concentrating on Kelsey. Nobody's going to be concentrating on Blake Bell. And I right. could also hear the Joe Buck, the that's a little swing, but Blake Bell doing that whole thing, like the surprise in his voice. So he just needs two yards? He just needs two yards on that first reception, which is, is craziness. How do you get fewer than two yards? I, I mean, I guess we'll see on Sunday how you get two or fewer than two yards. But yes, to further your point, if you believe that the 49ers will create pressure and they do so without blitzing, um, Patrick Mahomes is going to have to go to his like third or fourth option in some of these times, you know. And there's, there you go. The belldozer will be open. Probably second quarter. You won't have to wait too long. It's going to win. <laughs> is the belldozer your nickname for him, or is that actually his nickname? No, I read, I read it somewhere. <laughs> the the belldozer. belldozer. What do you think of that one, Kyle? That's Kyle's a great texting name. someone. That's a great he's, name. Kyle's out of it. He's Fuck just thinking no, brisket. Kyle's <laughs> um, texting his barbecue order. He's getting it going now. <laughs> he's making sure that we have different sauces for the barbecue. All right. So we are going to talk Sunday night post game. Yeah. The last pot of the year. I, it's also yeah. my favorite pot of the year because we get to talk about the great game. 
go through all the bets we won and lost and probably lost and lost some more. And then at some point they're in the pod in the last third of it, you start getting sad and start thinking about, right. um, you know, all-star game, NBA all-star game, uh, golf, some hockey, maybe some, yeah. uh, some weird tennis bets, um, college basketball. Yeah, it's going to be sad that the Australian Open is over too. I mean, it's a double whammy for me. Yeah. <laughs> right, true. Very I forgot sad. about that. All right, Sal, enjoy Miami. Say hi to everybody for us. We'll talk to you on Sunday. Thank you. Watch uh, watch the pregame show. I'll be on doing a bit with uh, nice. Sean Payton. And I'll Ooh. give you a hint. There's going to be a lot of, lot of Gatorade spilled on Sunday. Oh, exciting. Looking forward to that. All right, yeah. talk to you soon, Cus. Good job by you. Good job by you. All right, we're calling house to do Million Dollar Picks in one second. First, with the new year officially here and everyone vowing to restrictive resolutions, Pepsi wants to usher in the new decade a bit differently by encouraging everyone to unapologetically do what you enjoy, even in the face of others' judgment. Pepsi encourages you to let loose, be yourself, live your life like nobody's watching. You know who's going to be letting loose this week? Nephew Kyle. Really? You love the Super Bowl. Yeah. You love barbecue. Love barbecue. You love football. I do. You're going to be sad because the Patriots aren't going to be involved. We're right. so spoiled as Pats fans that we were in there three times in four years and you just kind of get used to it. I agree. No Pats team for us. I'm, I'm let loose on Sundays now is really what it comes down to. You'll be downing brisket. You'll be drinking Pepsi. Yeah. You'll be loaded up there. producing the there. pod. That's right. Maybe a couple waters to, uh, to, to help digest. Big water guy here. And guess what? I'm never going to judge you, no matter no matter how many plates you have, no matter how sleepy you are as you're as you're doing the pod. Well, I don't because, believe you. I think you and the rest of the country will as soon as right. you tell them. But it's fine. I want you to do what you enjoy doing. Pepsi. That's what I like. All right, let's call Joe House, another guy who likes eating. All right, Joe House is on the line. We're going to do million dollar picks for the Super Bowl. We heard from Peter Schrager and Cousin Sal earlier. Since we taped those. Luka Doncic hurt his ankle. Might have re-aggravated the old sprain. That was my favorite prop. I was all ready to do Luka Doncic minus four and a half points against the Atlanta Hawks over the uh, total points of the Chiefs. I'm so fired up to do it. And now it looks like that bet has vanished in thin air Joe House. But there's plenty of bets. There's plenty of stuff for us to do. There's even some cross-sport parlays with golf and football. Two of your three favorite things. If you threw in eating and illegal massages, those would be your five favorite things. You could bet on that all the times. If you pull the Bob Kraft. I don't know what you're talking about with one of those categories. <laughs> food? Everything else is, is accurate. I, I have a great affinity for food. I dearly love golf. Football's at the top of my list. I don't know what else. The other stuff I'm not a, I, I, I can't help you with. I do want to, I'm not going to hijack the pod, yeah. but you mentioned Luka Doncic. I had a fantastic conversation today. Uh, this isn't, would it be a humble brag if I say that my pal's name? I have lunch once a month with a writer for the New York Times, Mark Leibovich, who's here in Washington, D.C. All we do is sit down at the Palm and eat shrimp cocktail and make fun of people here yeah. in Washington. It's one of my favorite things. We had a great lunch and he asked me a question that I hadn't really started to, to process, but it's a great question and something for another conversation. He said to me, you're starting a franchise. Who are you going to take? Luca or Zion? Oh my God. And that, I was that's like, not even a question. Definitely Luca. 
Oh my God. Oh, Are you yeah. kidding me? Oh my Zion. It's, Zion, there's still the five percent chance that physically he might just have problems for his entire career. It's it's I think it's you a could say the same thing of Luca. Why well, why he, would you dismiss that possibility with Luca? Because he sprained Zion his ankle. Is so once? young. He no, but look. The injuries that Zion has had are attributable to how young he is. He's a child. He's not in his adult body yet. He's probably four years from being in his adult body. My so look, I think he's going to be 265 pounds for most of his NBA career. I he's love 20 some pounds high heavier than that. I love Zion. I'm all in on Zion. I've been all in for a year. I'm just saying, if you're giving me the choice, I feel like Luca is no risk. Zion. I don't know where his body ends up when he's like age 27, what kind of weight and muscle he's carrying. And also the way he runs that, that one YouTube video out there about his running style. And then the Pelicans talking about how they have to wean him and change the pressure he puts on his knees. Like all that stuff would worry me if it was the choice just between those two guys. That's fine. I don't, we, again, I don't mean to hijack the pod, I don't think Luca is exactly the the an exemplary physical specimen. He doesn't move like uh like like the freak. Now that's not fair, but you know, he doesn't move with the with all the grace of a gazelle. And one of the distinguishing factors for me is now Luca's super, super smart. His basketball IQ is tremendous, but so is Zion's, and I think Zion is going to prove to be an incredible defensive player. I and agree. that to me is the thing that that makes me feel like if I have to now it, it's a very rich conversation. There are a lot of ways no, we, we should say no this could yeah. be a whole podcast. I'm gonna say this exactly. though. I, ha- I haven't said this on a podcast yet, but I was saying it when I was in uh Sundance this weekend. I'm in on Fat Zion. I actually I, I like when he has <laughs> extra weight. I didn't mind it. I think when they post him up and he's got, he's carrying the extra 10 to 12, but not losing any of the explosiveness short term. He's so physically dominant. Like if he's posting up, you're just, he's getting the ball. What are you going to do? You're going to like, you're going to push him off a spot. Are you going to go around him and intercept? Like he's just getting the ball wherever he wants. And he's such a good passer, but somehow he kept the explosiveness too. And I actually, I think he's one of those guys. Somehow. Well, I he's think a he, freak. I think he's one of those guys that if he got skinny, it would actually be detrimental to some so of I the things I like about him. I just worry like that kind of weight. I don't know what what that does to his knees, especially with his running style. I'm still all in. I'm 100 percent in. He's he's not ever going to be skinny. His frame is not going to permit him to be skinny. But he's carrying around so much sort of youth fat. And to exactly your point. The fact that he has that explosiveness, you said somehow he's still that explosive. That's exactly the point. Wait until he becomes a young adult. Yeah. And that fat is muscle. I mean, there's why is there a ceiling on the explosiveness? Now, I understand the concern out there about impact on ankles and knees and joints and all that kind of stuff. All I'm saying is for two years now, we've been watching somebody who shows a, a level of athleticism that is visually stunning. Like yeah. we can't believe our eyes when we see his athleticism. And so anyway, we, I, again, we'll Did save this. It's a whole podcast for another time. His first game when he turned the switch on 
And there was that rebound in traffic. The white guy in the Spurs was going to get it. And Zion basically just leaped sideways over him, took it from him. I was like, oh yes. my God. I was trying to think of like it, anyone in the history of the league who would have gotten that rebound. And I came up short. In, in every circumstance, that is over the back. He leapt so high yeah. over Jakob Pertl. Yeah, that's that he all he had to do was slightly lean and he snatched a rebound that 99.9% of the time otherwise is over the back but it was not an over the back because he was way far up above where where uh Pearl could get to. It, from, it's glorious. It's an it's unimaginable. From what I've seen so far, he can definitely be used as the Draymond Green 5 and offensively whoever he's on, he can still handle the contact and get the ball in the spots that he wants and neither post up or face. And then defensively, his recovery is just so absurd and his his second jump ability and all of those little stupid phrases that we that Jay Billis has given us. And I love Jay Billis. I'm 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 be, I'm grateful that we have the phrases. Um his 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 stuff that he can do to make up for being in the wrong spot or being a little undersized, I just think he's a five. I think that's where he's going to end up. And I think he's going to be incredible. I really sincerely hope that that was the last injury for him. Um, quick question. You and, you and me both. Go ahead. Your favorite Kobe Bryant memory ever. Wow. Uh, you're not going to like it. I think that he single-handedly willed his team in the fourth quarter of the 2010 finals in a game in which he was having a terrible offensive game. Yeah. His sheer force of will helped. I mean, the the three that Meta World Peace made that won the Lakers the game, I believe was a direct effect of probably like a whole career's worth of Kobe Bryant tutelage and goading and you know trying to to bring the very best out of him so my, to me it's the fourth quarter of that of that finals Sal and I talked about this a little bit on his podcast I'm, I'm going to repeat myself he, I agree with you for NBA purposes I think that was his greatest moment because first of all what he gets out of Gasol in that game where Two years ago, Gasol just gets his ass kicked by the Celtics and just pushed over yes. and rolled over, basically. And in 2010, he was the toughest guy in that game it, out of all like the big guys and really took it to KG and Rashid and everybody else they were putting on him. He just kind of dominated the paint. And it was because Kobe had kind of willed him to be that way over the course of two plus years. And then secret part of that game, they're up two with like 12 seconds left. They have to inbound the ball. They're double teaming Kobe, so he can't get it. But the Lakers actually run the inbound to Sasha Vujicic, who ices the two free throws and then makes the Kobe underbite face after. And <laughs> that was kind of like his, that was one of his little disciples. That was like one of his little dragons. He wasn't that good, but he really carried himself like this foreign badass who was one of Kobe's henchmen. And, uh, I thought those two, but then there's this other play in there that I think is one of the best plays of his career where they somebody misses and the ball gets kind of tipped out to the free throw line. And there's 45 seconds left and all the bodies are under the basket. And Kobe gets that rebound and just goes barreling back into the bodies. And he's like, I'm just getting yeah. a foul. And just 
Yeah. It was the same kind of play. Jay Adande and I talked about it a little bit, but uh, it's the same kind of play that Michael Jordan would have made 10 years, 12 years before in that Pacers series. But you're right. From a sheer will standpoint, I think that's the game. I, I still think my favorite one, though, is the 08 gold medal. The more that I read all the stories and see all the highlights. Wow. Him. Yeah. And you look at who is on the court out there. Like Carmelo is not even on the court. And it's like a young Bosch who's got, he's got the dreads. Um, it's LeBron who wants no part of being the crunch time guy at that point of his career. Wade's out there. Darren Williams was out there for a little bit. Chris Paul's in the bench. And they're all kind of looking at each other during the fourth quarter. And Kobe does, he, he, he basically takes over the game and he's awesome in it. And, uh, and that was a classic, I got this. And I thought that set up the next couple years of his career. So those are my Kobe. Yeah. Picks. You know, that, that's a, it's a great point. Um, he has, we, we over the years had, you know, a love hate relationship, which is to say we love to hate on Kobe. <laughs> yeah. And lot, lots, lots of times we were critical or curious, you know, depending on what mood we might be in about his leadership style. And, you know, that part of the universal acclaim that I think is deserved as we kind of lionize um, his impact on the game now is what a what a tremendous leader he was. He wasn't always a great leader, but no. there are instances <laughs> where his force of will, his sheer, uh, you know, sort of mental stamina and 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 um, just refusal to to bend had such an impact on all the guys around him. And both of the games that we just talked about fit that paradigm. That's he's a he's a perfect leader when guys are not sure, when their uncertainty creeps in, um, where guys want to be led. Now, he, he not every guy who he came in contact with over his entire career at the Lakers wanted to be led that way. I think that he did Dwight Howard a disservice. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we um, have had the occasion for your book of basketball, there will be a Dwight Howard treatment. Yeah. I think there could have been a scenario where Kobe could have been a mentor to Dwight. He could have taught Dwight to get out of the the juvenile stupor that Dwight was was occupying back at that time of his career. And Dwight could have been an incredible Laker. And for whatever reason, Kobe made up his mind very quickly about Dwight, and that didn't happen. But that that doesn't undermine uh, Kobe's overall effectiveness as a leader, right? Yeah, and I think. He was just there. A lot of basketball players are like this. The right situation for him was the right situation for the team. And you kind of had to fit the players around him accordingly. So like when banged up Steve Nash and Dwight Howard show up that season, it just within 10 games, we knew like, oh man, this isn't, this isn't going to work. And he yeah, has to do not going to work. I, you know, his leadership was definitely up and down over the years. I would describe it as, you know, in a high school team where you have like the awesome senior, the best kind of team for him would be like awesome freshmen and sophomores and like one good junior who was like the dumb rebounder block shots guy who's pretty close to being a finished product. And then Kobe just carrying everything and, and telling everybody what to do. And that's kind of what those Oh nine and 2010 Lakers were right. Right. Our test was yes. Our test was the high school senior who was 22 years old, who had transferred seven times. This was his last chance to stay in high school. And he's just going to listen to everybody. And Gasol was like the sophomore who is going to, it's going to be his team someday, but he would have no idea how to lead the team himself. And um, 
Yeah, I mean, his his leadership style and his thoughts about it were the reason that I started talking to him in 2012, which I think I'm going to tell that story in the book of basketball at some point. But uh, yeah, you sh- you should. I'm not this week. I'm I'm not. This isn't a plug for the golf podcast, but um, I, I really I had a great conversation uh, with Jason Sobel of the Action Network. Yeah, about the parallels between Tiger Woods. Mm. And Kobe. And I loved Kevin Clark's piece this week about the impact of Kobe and his approach to the game. And again, I think this does fit into leadership style. What impact that had on the lot, you know, both football teams, the Chiefs and the 49ers, they're all sort of universally say we're we're Kobe guys. We were raised with Kobe as an example of what you what you're capable of. If you just focus to the exclusion of everything else, the mama mentality is a is a real thing and uh you know had a very meaningful impact on a ton of of athletes for this generation and the same is true of, really of of, of tiger um, yeah. the parallels w- were great but that all that also contributes to the the proper recognition to me of kobe as a great leader a leader of 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 men and women and he's definitely he was the most polarizing just nba player since wilt and you and i had a pretty complicated relationship as fans watching him because, and we're, we're aligned completely on this. This is one of the reasons we're friends. We just like a certain brand of basketball and we always judge these guys by, would this person be fun to play with? And the answer with Kobe for a long time was, eh, probably not. But I think as he got older and as he learned some tricks and especially that second prime version of him in 08, 9, 10, 11, where he was stuck in his ways in a lot of ways, but I think he had learned how to share better and lead better. And I think he had just put, put more thought in general about what kind of teammate he was. He was still going to take a lot of shots. He was still getting the biggest piece of chicken at dinner. Um, but I think he had a better sense of team. And I, I think both of us really had, at the same pace learned learn to respect and appreciate him versus kind of being like, oh, I hate I hate that version of basketball. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, of course. I I um absolutely uh without hesitation or reservation will declare my admiration for Kobe uh as a basketball player. He was the the second greatest scorer I've ever seen behind MJ. That that's that's pretty great praise. Yeah. And his he he also brought it on the other end of the floor. I know everybody keeps talking about his incredible defense. It deserves to be talked about. But on the other hand, you know, I didn't love, for the reasons you just mentioned, 50 shots to score 60 points in his last game. Like, that was, to me, maddeningly, frustratingly, the kind of epitome of of Kobe, his very last game as a professional. 50 shots to score 60 points, and the Utah Jazz basically lay down in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Come on. Come on. He's one of those guys who was always on brand at every point of his basketball career. You know, like like him. It's it's so true. Him tearing his Achilles and the way he reacted to it compared to the way every other person who has ever had that injury reacted. And then him deciding to shoot the two free throws and making both of them before he limps off with the next year of his basketball career over, basically. That was was on brand. He was always on brand with whatever he was doing. That's... The That's 06, OG legendary stuff. The 06 Suns game seven, when he was so mad at his team that he just stopped shooting. Also on brand. Let's be honest. Also on brand. That's just right. Being like, I fucking hate this team. And you know what? 
if we're going to go down in flames, these guys can fucking do it. Fuck these guys. And he's just throwing them really yep. hard passes. Uh-huh. I mean, it was kind of fun. I'd love to rewatch that game. I know they're they're rerunning all the the highlight, you know, games. But, yeah. you know, there were some other games out there. He's the most memorable Laker ever. And I'm not sure he was the greatest Laker ever, but I think he was the most memorable. And what's, you know, I've I've read a lot of the stuff the last few days and learned a lot in some cases, reinforced other things that I felt. But I think the one, the one point that really resonates with me about what he meant to LA is the fact that he gave a shit all the time. And, you know, I think there's a misnomer about Los Angeles and I was certainly guilty of it living in Boston and Connecticut. And when we were in Worcester going to school and just assuming LA fans were a certain thing, right? You just, they're just like the douchey actors, celebrities, they leave the games early, all that stuff. And the reality is LA is like the biggest melting pot city we have um, other than maybe New York city. And it's a lot of different types of people. And it's a lot of like, honestly, hardworking people. And that's one of the reasons you can't can't get anywhere any time of the day. You have people driving to work at four o'clock in the morning, five in the morning. Um, the, The work ethic of this city is actually pretty legitimate. And I think Kobe tapped into something with that where here was this guy. It could be a January game against Charlotte and they're favored by 17 points and he could take this game off and he just wouldn't, he never did. And I think that really mattered to the people here above all the other stuff, above the titles, above, you know, the, the MJ stuff. I think the fact that he just showed up game after game after game, you had that a little bit with the Orioles with Ripken, right? Where sure part of the reason he was revered was because he was a fucking badass. He was there every game, and you always got the best out of Cal Ripken, even though the last five six years of his career is hitting two fifty. But the dude never missed a game. He was he was an icon, and I think that's what that ultimately was why everybody loved him the most, and that's why his last game was so emotional because it was this guy he just punched the clock. Um, does that make sense? So, it, not only does it make sense. To me, it is the single greatest testament to um, why he he deserves his place in the in the pantheon of you know top t- ten all time NBA players, and helps uh, explain. I'm glad that you made that that link with Cal Ripken. Just like Cal Ripken, Kobe Bryant played every single professional basketball game of his entire career for Los Angeles. Cal played every one of those baseball games for Baltimore. Yeah. Kobe, and and this is the, the I'm glad you, it deserves amplification. Los Angeles is a blue-collar town because it is enormous. It's so vast. So this is part of my own experience, you know, visiting you since you moved out there in 2003. Yeah. Is getting my head around just the, the 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 it's there's not like a down, it's not a city, you know, it's just a it's a vast place but it is in it is a huge mix of colors both in terms of what you see with your eyes in 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 the way of the environment but also the human beings that you come in contact with right and so many human of those people are on the hustle it's a it's a place that's constantly on the hustle that's what, your point about the traffic is on point everybody is out there hustling and that's why i think kobe resonated the thing that he showed 
as his the dominant trait for all of his professional contribution during that that time was on the hustle. That Mamba mentality will yeah. not be distracted from the goal, and that's why he's, he's beloved. I'm glad that you made the point and that it deserves amplification. All right, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to do Million Dollar Picks. Hey, FanDuel is the official sportsbook partner of The Ringer. If you're thinking about doing any of the wagers that we're about to talk about on a certain game that's about to happen, and if you're not in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Indiana, or West Virginia where FanDuel Sportsbook is available, you're going to feel like FanDuel is really rubbing it in. When they tell you about how you can place your first bet risk-free and get up to 500 bucks back in site credit if you don't win, FanDuel feels terrible about all that. In fact, if they had your way, you'd be able to place bets on FanDuel Sportsbook all over this great nation. This great nation that should legalize gambling in all these states. Come on, hurry up. But until that happy day comes, FanDuel can't stand the idea of fans like you missing out on big game props action. They're making their free big game props contest available even if FanDuel Sportsbook isn't online in your state yet. Oh. Here's, here's how it works. Kyle, Kyle loves this. Big games props pick them. That's what it's called. Really easy to play. Everyone gets the same 15 props. Coin toss, Gatorade color, total rushing yards, et cetera. All you need to do is pick the right answers. If you can go 12 out of 15, you win 100 bucks. Go 15 out of 15, you win 15 grand. Best of all, it's 100% free to play. Go to fanduel.com slash props to make your picks. And if you're new to FanDuel, be sure to use promo code BS so they know that I sent you fanduel.com slash props. Promo code BS must be 21 plus. Located New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, or Indiana to claim your risk-free bet on FanDuel Sportsbook. Visit sportsbook.fanduel.com for applicable terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT or in West Virginia. Visit www.1800gambler.net. Okay. Just wanted to throw a couple of props at your house that are golf-related. Don't know if you've seen these. Brooks Kepka fourth round birdies at the Saudi International, plus one and a half against George Kittle receptions. There's one. Second one, Justin Johnson's fourth round score, plus two and a half, Travis Kelsey receiving yards. And then the third one is Tyreek Hill receiving yards, minus three and a half, Patrick Reed's fourth round score. You host Fairway rolling for us. You have a better feel for what's going to happen in a golf tournament than anyone I know. Do any of those jump out of you? Well, you're not going to like this. And apologies in advance to Kyle the <laughs> because he, he, he might have to edit this. Um, I won't touch any of those props because those guys, Kepka, DJ, and Reed, are playing in Saudi Arabia because... Uh, Saudi Arabia is the place that that sanctioned the uh, the the killing of an American journalist of of Saudi descent, Jamal Khashoggi, the Washington Post reporter. And I think the sports washing, you know, the idea that Saudi Arabia is putting on a a, a golf tournament and paying those great players to come, what it shows about the character of those players. Now, Tiger and Rory. Both said thank you, no thank you, to, t to accepting the millions of dollars in appearance fees that, that Saudi Arabia was offering. But, you know, I, I think uh, 
you those players that are there using their cachet, le, le, lending that cachet to a regime that's oppressive to women, that practices Sharia law, uh, you know, um, and is directly responsible for the death of an American journalist, shows what matters most to those guys, and it's money. So fuck those props. So you don't have a comment on Phil Mickelson's fourth round bogeys or worse, plus two and a half against Tyreek Hill receptions. You also don't like that one. It's a fuck those props comment. Okay. Um, I appreciate and respect your comments. And also, so who didn't go? Rory and Tiger? That's right. Well, how do I reconcile the, but- the, Brooke, the Brooks Kepka thing? That's my guy. He likes money more than than um, he cares about socio uh, geopolitics. So you don't want to do a live house of house of carbs or a live fairway rolling from Saudi Arabia in twelve months. Kyle was ready to set. go. He Kyle had packed. You sure? I'm good. Yeah, I'm all set. Okay. Thank you though. Um, can we talk about your feelings about this Chiefs Niners game? I would. I love to talk about those feelings. They don't involve Saudi Arabia, so I feel great about them. <laughs> what? Uh, what team are you leaning toward? San Francisco. Me too. Oh, I it's think, such a bad sign yeah. for the Niners when you and I are aligned. Yes. Oh sorry, my god. Sorry, Niners. So I yeah. have. I talked well, about he, this with Sal in the pod. I have the the plus three seventy five Niners Super Bowl bet, and I've been debating for the last two weeks whether to hedge it or not. And I have decided that I think the Niners are going to win the game and I'm not going to hedge it. And um, it almost guarantees Gatorade being dumped on Andy Reid at about nine o'clock on Sunday night. (laughs) I mean, here it is. I I feel like with the Super Bowl, um, trying to keep it simple is the, the best way to approach it. And over the last, I don't know, decade, 15 years, the single factor that I look at as I try and look at a matchup is just which team do I think has a better defense? And that has produced pretty regularly the winner of the game over again, like the last 10 to 15 years. There are a couple of aberrations out there, maybe. Like maybe Philadelphia's defense wasn't better than New England's, yeah. um, you know, a couple years ago, but their quarterback but certainly was quarterback had a huge cock. I mean, that was really what the difference. He was <laughs> an, an all tripod cock. Yeah, yeah terrific. Tripod Great cock. job, Nick Foles. Yeah, uh, so maybe that helped. But um, for on on balance, you know, we've seen this a couple times. The Denver Carolina game. Um, folks thought you know Cam might uh, kind of sway the outcome there, and Denver's defense was just too good. The Seattle-Denver game a few years ago. Seattle beat the crap out of Denver. Yeah, so Schrager, uh, and, and, I, you know, the- we, Schrager and I went over a couple of these examples earlier. So um, I'm with you on the point. I feel like this is a great, great team and especially a great defense is one way to go. The other way to go is I think Mahomes is special and I don't care who he's playing. He's winning the Super Bowl. Yep. And that's it. And usually, Totally get that. Usually when we have that battle between those two things – the team beats the player. So I agree. And the problem is, this is why people end up betting on the player, is because you don't want to bet against the player. And it's like, well, I, I, I know I know I should be doing this, but I just don't want to go against Mahomes. And that's when you end up going with the wrong team. So we're aligned. 
is my point. I'm with you on the Niners. I do think it's going to be a, a closer game. I don't think it's going to be like that Carolina-Denver game, do you? No. I, I These two teams, all the metrics advanced and otherwise, show that they're very close. So it's a thin margin um, that, that, that uh, distinguishes the two. And I, I hope that means we're, we get a great game. Yeah. This is the weirdest prop I saw. Who will have more points? Ryder, Monmouth, and St. Peter's, all the New Jersey schools playing that day versus 49ers and Chiefs rushing yards combined. Who sits in a room and comes up with that? <laughs> what, even the two of us who both have gambling problems, neither of us would ever like bat that one around for two days. Be like, oh man, I, have I mean, some that's, that's on somebody from New Jersey. I don't want to say anything bad about New Jersey because there's some in- incredibly great food up there, the diner scene especially. Right. But that's somebody with a New Jersey background trying to make some mischief. Plus, there is a rule in podcasts. You can't insult Saudi Arabia and New Jersey in the same podcast. <laughs> that's <laughs> actually right. the FCC actually ruled on that a couple of years ago. A lot of people don't realize. Oh, that's um, great. So I Here's where I'm leaning after discussing it with a variety of people. By the way, we should mention million dollar picks, conference championships. We uh, we lost fourteen thousand somehow. It was a, it was basically oh, a break so it was even all the way a wash. Yeah, so it was basically we lost a little vig. So I'm up two hundred twenty one thousand dollars heading into uh, the Super Bowl. Not terrible. Great. Could be worse. No. I, w- I wish in real life I was up that. Um. I am looking at some Debo Samuel bets. Okay. I think Debo's going to have a big game. I was looking at him maybe first first touchdown at 12 to 1. Ooh. You like that or no? I uh, sure. 12 to 1 is fun. Why not? That's worth 20 bucks. I was thinking Niners sacks plus two and a half is plus 105. Three sacks of Mahomes. Mm. That means you got to put a hand on him. So you don't it like is, that one. It's speed against speed, though. How about Debo? I don't. I. Yeah, I don't like that one. You don't like that one. Debo over fifteen and a half rushing yards. Minus one hundred five. I just need him to have two carries for like nineteen yards. Have they announced Tevin Coleman's status yet? It seems like he's playing, but I think the dude's hurt. His rushing attempts was nine and a half. So that was weird. Uh, Mahomes, like completions is 25 and a half. Maybe we just dump all the props and just go with, uh, just bet the game. Yeah, there was, I, I would like to build. Now you, you, you think I'm, I'm, I wouldn't catch this, but I listened to the cousin Sal's podcast and I heard you guys try and slander me a little bit. Um, for being With lousy you, you at gambling? Do, no, this is we want to build the Uncut Gems counterintuitive, barely legal parlay of the year. Oh, uh, yeah. Because you, you know, we, we, I love to, I like to walk the line there a little bit. I like to build something that's a little bit counterintuitive. Pro, many books might refuse to accept the action where you put some, some uh, plays together that don't really make sense. It worked out great in, uh, the San Francisco Green Bay game, the NFC Conference Championship game, that we took the San Francisco money line under Garoppolo for yards at 242 and a half and 
over 47 points just because my thesis was San Francisco is going to win the game, check mark. San Francisco is going to win the game by rushing the football, so they don't need Garoppolo throwing for 245 yards, check mark. But having said all of that, I think that San Francisco was going to score 30 points. And I loved, you know, Green Bay getting a couple garbage touchdowns down the stretch. And that's what came to pass. And that was a big fat winner. So you like the over, it sounds like. I, 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 there is some counterintelligence on the over, but I, you know, I, I, both teams are uh, among the top four in, in scoring, right? What, what's, what's, uh, I have that stat in front of me here. 49ers averaging 30.2 points a game. Chiefs averaging 29.7 points a game. I mean, you know, both Shanahan and Andy Reid as uh, offensive-minded guys, you know, looking for ways to de- defeat a defense. Yeah. Sure. You know, the, the over. Miami. The over is what the squares bet, and sometimes, you know, the square bet wins. So the Niners are even to win the game. They're plus one and a half. For gambling purposes. That's minus one. I bet both. I think it makes Might more well sense. Both. I think it makes more sense to grab the point and a half and just pay the yeah, minus sure. one ten. Why not? Yeah. They might lose by yeah. one. Who the hell knows? I think the game goes like this. I think the Niners are gonna be able to run the ball. I think that Debo and Sanders and Kittle are going to be able to make plays, especially in like those third and seven, third and eight type situations, which they might not have a lot of. The difference between San Francisco and Tennessee, where Tennessee was just so determined to run it, they could stack the line and do the engage eight and all that stuff. I don't think you can do that against San Francisco because of Kiddo and because of Samuel. Um, and even even Bourne, who, who kind of emerged in the playoffs, but I just feel like they can throw it. I think they have an awesome coach and if you're just going storylines and I'm, I'm playing them out in my head, what would be the storylines after this? All right. If the Niners win, it'll be, wow, John Lynch, what a great hiring. Oh my God, Shanahan. There was, we thought it was Sean McVay and it's been Shanahan all along. Um, the Bosa, is this going to be the next guy? The Jimmy G trade. Wow. What a steal that was. Holy shit. They only gave up a second rounder for him and, and, and uh, and now he's a Super Bowl winning can't quarterback. The Niners are back. The new ownership group, which took a lot of shit. I can see all of these beats. And with the Chiefs, it would basically be Mahomes is the best player in the world. Andy Reid finally got his due. And the Chiefs have gotten the monkey off their back finally. And I just think I believe the Niners narrative more. If you hear all those laid out, what do you think? I'm rooting for Andy Reid. Just as a starting point, because yeah, it, after a, what he did to you in the Marcus Mariota playoff game, you're rooting for Andy Reid. <laughs> I can't give him up. You had to I, go I, and I sell really sperm had... for nine months just to make the money back for that. <laughs> that was not that was not a bad nine months. Let me tell you, how's that? that how's that? Twenty eight certain... kids out there. Yeah, that's well. You look, you know, they they should all be as handsome as I am. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, you are, I, you are a gonna... good sperm bank donor in the card because you're tall, you're six foot three, handsome guy, college educated. I think you would get right. a high premium. I think I'm too old now. I are think you? there's an age thing. I believe so. I don't. I don't think you can be fifty, and and uh, I don't think you're supposed to have your AARP card and and show up at the sperm bank. 
Oh, that's disappointing. Well, that ruins my Friday night. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll make uh, other plans. You know, you're 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 paying me handsomely for this podcast, so I don't need that sperm bank money anymore. So yeah. thank you for that. That's great. My <laughs> I accuse my dad because my dad famously used to give blood all the time for money in college. Because my dad was just broke all through college and used to go get his blood drawn like twi- like twice a month because it was like $15 each time. And I was like, why didn't you do sperm banks? He's like, we didn't have those back then. I would have. I'm like, oh, great. I would have 48 half brothers and sisters out there. That would have been great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it would have changed everything for you as an only child. You know, I would have to, a lot of Celtics tickets I would have had to share. Been that's tough. exactly right. Yeah. Uh, let, let, I'm going to do the Niners. I like the Niners narrative. I'm with you on it. Um, Rosillo made this joke. I watched Slow News Day uh, with him and Kevin Clark. I love Kyle Shanahan as the first flat brim hat guy in the history of the NFL <laughs> to win a Super Bowl. That's good. That's a great, it's a great mark. Uh, and and I have a, a, a pretty good counterintuitive, barely legal parlay of the year. This is my, my uncut gems parlay of the year. I, oh, this I, is and wonderful. I I haven't calculated the odds yet, but but I want to stack four things. Here they are. I want to stack the San Francisco money line at at even. Hold on. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna put, I'm gonna do this on the website. Great. Okay, go. What's the second one? I like Jimmy G under 239 and a half yards. And that's a minus 115. All right, even minus with 115. What's the next one? The referee of this game, do you know who it is? Is it somebody that fucked over the Patriots? No, but he did fuck over the Saints. Yeah. It's Bill Vinovich. Oh, Bill that Vinovich. Guy. Yeah. A few a few traits with with Bill. Uh he unders tend to occur when he re- he's the head referee. Mm. And um there is a uh the over under for penalties called in the game is 12 and a half. And that's a minus one fifteen. I like the under on penalties called in the game because both the Chiefs and the 49ers rank in the top half of the league of uh average penalties per game this season. So uh I like under 12 and a half. Vinovich uh has averaged eleven point six called penalties per game. So Little value, 12 and a half under that. That's minus 115. Okay, so we're at like six to one right now at this parlay. Great. I have one one more angle for you. And it is, this is the counterintuitive part. I wanna I wanna toss in the over. I just like rooting for overs. I'm an <laughs> asshole. I'm a square. I'm an idiot. I still think my sperm would go great at the sperm bank, but let's add in the over. For a juicy, what what is that? Minus one ten on over fifty three and a half. Okay, so that's basically a fourteen parlay. What's a fourteen parlay? Like twelve to one. Yeah, I mean, just just add it in. You you have right. to parlay the. I'm not doing that one, you. but you have your own tab now. House has that's his own my, million that, dollar picks tab for hundred well, k. That's, that's I just wanted to give it out there for 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 everybody all the the everybody looking for a little return on investment there's my uncut gems counterintuitive barely legal parlay of the year. I think what's great about that is not a single person will take your advice on that one. <laughs> Kyle, will one <laughs> person listen to that and be the like how is on something? A lot of people listen, I think maybe. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm betting it. I, I can assure you I'm betting it. What do you think about James G? Three to one to win the Super Bowl MVP. Sal has a compelling case about it. basically it's quarterbacks 75% of the time. I'm betting it. I love it. It fits exactly the narrative. Can you uh, parlay Jimmy G as the Super Bowl MVP and the Niners to win the game? Or, or is that stacking? Is that oh, that's illegal? Interesting. Is that an uncut gems parlay? Um, That looks like an uncut gems parlay. <laughs> Damn it. All right. Yeah. We'll figure it out. I'll you have to put that one in. But I the, love that one. You have to put that one in with the Safety brothers only. They're the only people who would accept that. <laughs> uh, James G at three to one. Yeah, that's mm. good. I like it. I'm going to, okay. Here's what I'm going to do. Because I have $221,000 to play with. Might as well go big. We'll go $1.5 million. I'm just doing the Niners to, I'm doing Niners even. Sure. Screw the vague. The, what are the odds of the point coming back to haunt me? What 100% are the of, now. Okay. <laughs> what, what, what Super Bowl has ended with a team winning by a point? So I'm going to say 1.5 million on the Niners to win the Super Bowl. I'm going to put 150K on Jimmy G as Super Bowl MVP three to one. And I'm going to put uh, 100K on Debo to win the Super Bowl at 25 to uh, to win the Super Bowl MVP at 25 to one. What do you think of that? Debo Super Bowl MVP 25 to one. 25 to one. Is that too low? It's pretty good. It's pretty yeah. good. All right, I'm doing those two, and I'm also going to put 50K on Debo to score the first touchdown at 12 to one. I like that also. And I'm going to put 550 to win 500 on the Niners plus one and a half. We're going all in house. If we it's, lose, it's the, we lose. I'm, I'm, I'm down basically 2 million for the year. Well, that's of that fake money plus your real it's, money that you're not going to hedge. It's a, yeah, yeah. So there you go. That's what we're doing. House. I look forward to sending you pictures of the APL barbecue order that we made for Sunday. <gasps> you son of a bitch. Just don't send me any pictures of Saudi Arabia. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> thanks for coming on, House. All right. Always a pleasure. All right. Thanks to ZipRecruiter. Thanks to Pepsi. With the new year officially here and everyone vowing to restrictive resolutions, Pepsi wants to usher in the new decade a bit differently by encouraging everyone to unapologetically do what you enjoy, even in the face of others' judgment. I know here's what I'm going to be enjoying on Sunday. Uh, not hedging that Niners game. Everyone says, hedge it. Just split the difference. Just take money. Just bank. You're, you're in the driver's seat. No. You know what I enjoy? Letting it ride. <laughs> Pepsi. That's what I like. We will see you on Sunday night with the cuz until then.